Hey, what's good? This is Rich, and you're listening to Paychecks and Balances, where we show you what's possible in work, money, and life. And I say we because when it's not just me, I'm joined by dope guests with interesting stories and a lot of lessons to share. And speaking of lessons, I have a lot of lessons that are top of mind from the past couple of weeks. Uh, Some things good, some things not so good, but if you've been listening for a while, you know that I love to be transparent about everything that's happening as much as I can be, while also being respectful to those around me and those that I'm close to. So starting on the positive side, on July 1st, I celebrated one year free of alcohol. So I made that decision last year at 8, 11 a.m. that I was not going to be doing that shit anymore and that I wanted to break a cycle that I didn't like that I was seeing. And so July 1st already had that loaded significance with it. And I was coming into the month very excited, you know, and it was a very emotional time. And I actually did something on Instagram on at Paybalances or even on uh, my personal account at I am Rich Jones, where I was at the track. And I'm going to talk about that in a second, where uh, I was at the track and I was just sitting there thinking about where I was a year ago versus where I am today and how much of a blessing and how much of a gift it is considering some of the things that I've been through and uh, the many situations that I've put myself in where it would be very easy for me to not be here today and not be here on this microphone. So super thankful for that one year of alcohol sobriety and uh, also just the amount of clarity and uh, freedom and everything else that it's brought into my life to a place where things were actually clicking so well that I became overwhelmed And it's funny because I've been talking about this season of abundance. Well, I wasn't as prepared for it as I thought. So I get that bad news about the friend passing away unexpectedly. I have some other weird things happen that same week. I have the panic attack. Then the same week, this week that this episode is coming out, I have a talk that I'm giving at work with a a brother who's been on the podcast before. Shout out to Malcolm. I've got things due for work. I've got an inbox filled with stuff for paychecks and balances, stuff for the show starter and It just got to a point where I was like, yo, I am on edge in a way that I've never felt before. Jaw tight, shoulders tense, crushing weight on my shoulders and in my chest. And I decided like, yo, I got to chill out and I got to step back. And even as I said that just now, I felt my shoulders relax, you know? And so this trip to Hawaii, one, it was pre-planned before all of this craziness even happened. And I don't think that that's a coincidence either. But uh, it is perfectly timed. I can't wait to get away and come back and just be refreshed and really looking forward to this next chapter of my life in so many different ways, just given all of the things that are happening. I also made the commitment that I'm going to spend the next year training to get back in track and field shape so that I can compete as an unattached master's athlete. Yes, I got to have the master's tag, but as an unattached master's athlete at uh, meets around uh, California or essentially wherever I want to go, culminating in competing at the United States Track and Field Championships for the Masters Division. I'm not sure where that's going to be next year, but I know that it's going to be in July. And so I've been training for a couple of weeks. And even as I've been going through all of these crazy things that have been happening and going on, I have not stopped with the training. That has been the one consistent and operating with that athletic mentality has been so clutch. And I also don't think it was a coincidence that I started talking about that on the episode with Roger Ma probably about two months back now. So all that to say, there was a lot going on and it took me a lot to get to a place where I could record this intro because I never want to come on here and fake the funk. And I figured, hey, if folks have to wait an extra week to get the best of me, then 
that's what it's going to be. And I encourage you to practice that in your life as well. Take a step back, even when it may seem like there are going to be things that are going to fall through the cracks. And for me, one of the hardest things over this past couple of weeks has been this feeling that I'm disappointing people left and right. As I'm falling behind and commitments are slipping, I'm disappointing people. And it's starting that whole shame cycle. And I apologize if that's triggering, but I also think that shit is pretty real. So I wanted to make sure that I shared that. And uh, getting toward today's episode, I am talking with Jen Smith about the topic of frugality. And I realized over the past week, as I've been taking care of myself, that I've been practicing it in a way that I hadn't even thought about in terms of being frugal with my time and with my energy, where I essentially stopped doing everything except for the bare essentials and the bare necessities. And so Jen is a co-host of the Frugal Friends podcast. And beyond the pod, Jen is an author, writer, entrepreneur, and strong believer that being frugal can be fun and doesn't mean a life of restrictions. She also shares the details of her first ever Future of Frugal Summit, which I'll be a part of in the very near future. And the best part, other than all the awesome energy that's going to be there, is that it's free. So make sure you listen to the end of the episode so that you can get those details, hear me, and hear a phenomenal list of speakers who are going to bring you phenomenal conversations around a range of topics that are going to help you, not just when it comes to being frugal, but also how you think about mindset and money more holistically. So here's my conversation with Jen. We had a whole lot of fun, and I want to thank her so much again for coming on, even though I'm going to say that later, and I hope you enjoy. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Now, for those that are not familiar, and I know I said a little bit about your background in the intro to the show, but those that are not familiar... Tell the PNB family a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I am a personal finance writer. Um, I was not always a personal finance writer. I don't have a degree in finance or anything. Um, but my husband and I paid off $78,000 of debt in two years, making really the standard average income. So we just hustled really hard for two years. And that's what got me interested in personal finance, specifically breaking it down for people who do not have finance degrees or are not interested or nerd out about money like I do. And so that has really been my specialty in writing. And I've published three books on personal finance. Um, my bestseller is the No Spend Challenge Guide. And so that really got me interested in uh, specifically like frugality and helping people not just budget because we hear so often that's the first thing you should do when trying to get your finances together. But the, right. the budgeting is not the solution. The budgeting is the tool to help you make the changes for the solution. And so um, I saw overspending in my life to be my biggest issue. And so now I help other people control their spending and find what they value so that they can practice frugality like by choice and enjoy it and embrace it versus just having it be something they don't look forward to and or a means to an end. I probably had my own misconceptions about frugality and what being frugal means. Because to me, it's just, I think, being cheap. And by cheap, not necessarily like the lowest of quality, but kind of penny pinching, thrifting, maybe walking down the street, seeing something that's usable, that's not infected with bed bugs that you can bring <laughs> home. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually curious, what do one, like when you're explaining frugality to people, and I, I know you just talked about a little bit about some of this already, like how do you define it most simply for people? And then 
what do you find that uh, people tend to get wrong about it? Because like myself, I'm, I'm just like, oh, you know, it's just like picking up like the cheapest of things and just looking for stuff that's like secondhand and thirdhand. But I know there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, those are definitely aspects about it, but they're not like the main tenets of frugality, for me at least. Um, so I tell people frugality is being a wise steward of your resources. And so, yes, we mm. initially think of that as money, but it's also time. Uh, so sometimes you spend a little money to get back your time, which is your most limited resource. Um, but right. then also like places in your in your schedule. So things that you value and, and want to enrich your life with um, or natural resources. So a lot of the times when we are thinking about frugalities being cheap, it's buying things like fast fashion um, and a lot of- What's plas- fast fashion? Fast fashion is the stuff at like Walmart or Old Navy. It's stuff that's made very fast um, at in you know China or sweatshops, even in LA. And it's just made very fast and it's very cheap material, very disposable, does not last long, but that makes it cheap to buy. Um, And so a lot of, you know, people associate frugality with buying the cheapest shirt. Um, But we oftentimes, we say it's either buying shirts secondhand or if you do have to buy them firsthand, buying them at sustainable from sustainable companies um, with sustainable materials and stuff because our environment is also a limited resource. So we want to take care of that. Um, So it's anything limited in your life. And honestly, money is the least limited of all of our resources. And so we want to practice values-based spending. So finding out what we really value so that we can spend money without guilt on those things and just totally eliminate entire line items on the budget of things we don't really care about. So it's just finding that balance. You mentioned something that I love, and that's kind of being in touch with your values. And so how did you arrive at that? Because it's different for everyone. I've did a few of those like list where it starts with like a hundred words and you circle 10 and then you cut that down to five. And those are your top five values where some people just, they just, just know it. So how mm-hmm. was that process for you? And then also just given you know that that you have a family, I imagine that that required some conversation as well, you know, because I, I'm I'm sure there was probably some difference in values, but also enough that you know you're together. So if if, if there wasn't enough of a, <laughs> of an alignment, you probably wouldn't be. But mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm just curious, like how you got to that point in terms of uh, being able to think about values like that. Yeah. And my husband and I do have like different values. Our core, our biggest core values are the same. So that makes it really nice. And that's great because we didn't actually know that when we got married. So it was just like a happy, it was just good. It was a happy accident, I guess. <laughs> but but so there's two things. Uh, so the first is just a good old fashioned core values test or indicator um, that you can get for free online. So there are a lot of different tests where they will just kind of test your core values. And and there, I recommend taking a few of them because um, sometimes they can say, you know, two different words for the same core value. Um, but finding about at 
like five core ones, but have your list of like 10. And that helps you prioritize uh, different purchases. Like if something is in your top 10 values, but maybe it's not in your top five and you're on a really tight budget, then maybe you put off the thing that's not in your top five. The second thing is no spend challenges. So these can help you identify the things that the uh, tests, the online tests cannot. So you look at what you're spending already and look at, okay, so what does this tell me about what I value? Because it doesn't matter what you think you value. What matters is what you're putting out into the world and what you're spending your money on and your energy on. That is what says what you really value. And so if you found these core values and you are not spending in accordance to them, then what? Then they mean really nothing. They're just a nice idea. So doing a no-spend challenge will allow you to take away all your spending for a week, a month, whatever. So you can really identify, okay, why am I habitually spending on this? What does this say about me? Does it align with my values? What am I not spending money on that I should? Like generosity is a big thing for people. Like they say it's a core value, but they're not spending even a little bit on giving and stuff. So it helps you align your values with your actions. Definitely want to talk more about the spending challenge, but you uh, you just said so much that is that is music to my ears. As I was giving a, a talk literally yesterday, <laughs> another one of these, I was talking about how if you look if you look at your bank account, it'll tell you like what you actually care about compared mm-hmm. to what you tell people you care about. And uh, I've noticed that I can tell when I was having the most turbulent times in my life by looking at how I spent, not because I buckled down on my values, but because I defaulted to like old habits and like stress trigger type things. Yeah. And so I I just found that to be a really interesting exercise where it's like, you know, I care about like freedom and I care about like travel, but I'm spending all my money at Weinmart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's no shame in what you're actually spending. I think people are scared to look at what they're spending because they don't want to see the disalignment. But honestly, the only shame is then knowing it and choosing not to change. Just choosing to stay where you're at and just even by making a little change. And honestly, that's the only way sustainable change really happens is if you do it little by little. So I don't want people to feel like there's shame if they find disalignment between what they're spending and what they want to value. I love that. So this concept of the no spin challenge, want to talk more about that. What does that actually look like? Is it just like 30 days? You don't spend any money. Well, I mean, you got to pay like rent and stuff like that. (laughs) Otherwise, you're going to find yourself having some other conversations. That is the biggest question I get. And so my rule number one has now become you pay your bills on a no spend challenge. That's rule number one. So anything you need to live, nobody is impulse spending on rent and utilities. So that is not your issue. So you still pay those. You're typically not impulse spending on gas in your car. That is not what a no-spend challenge is about. So it's about giving yourself room to pause. And we we are adults. And so we think we're entitled to make any purchase we want at any time. And that gets us into trouble because we start making purchases out of habit, just like mindless purchases, um, emotional purchases, purchases out of boredom, 
So we, we start developing all of these habits. And so we as adults need to tell ourselves no. And for me, I'm a very all or nothing person. So it's easier for me to just say for 30 days, I'm not going to do any discretionary spending. So I can take a step back and dissect, okay, why was I ending up in line at Chipotle on a no spend challenge? Why was I ending up in the drive through at Starbucks? Like just all these things that I had made a habit of doing and, and dissecting why I was doing it, whether it was a habit or because I hadn't planned correctly. And then I can take those lessons out of the no spend challenge and I can plan my days better. I can change up my, my routines to help me build better habits. And I can do all the stuff that can help me build longer lasting results. But it all starts with changing things up and shaking them up so that you can start to see what you need to work on. What I already find really fascinating about this is almost how little we talked about actual money. And I probably would have just went down the money, the, the money trail if you didn't talk about frugality in the context of just like resources and even time, because I never would have equated frugality with anything other than like saving money. When I, but, but I think about the value of time in terms of how that then becomes mental space in some cases and the value of that. It's really interesting to apply it to so many different areas of life. And I imagine I'm probably not the only one who has thought this. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why frugality is viewed as such a with a negative connotation is because it seems like more work. It seems like you're not getting as good of value or quality. Like you have to sacrifice things and not live as full of a life if you're being frugal. And to me, that it's the complete opposite. Frugality is wisdom and self-restraint. And it means when you have wisdom and self-restraint about your spending and your time and all the actions that you do, when you have that, you can live a full life and without the guilt that comes with giving yourself self-care and doing the traveling and all of this stuff. Because sometimes we can go on a vacation and even, I mean, for me, this has happened and this is something that I've worked through. Like, even if I budgeted something fun for me, I still felt guilty spending it because I was on a budget and it's, you know, I could have been spending that money elsewhere. Um, And so frugality has been the thing that has freed me essentially from my budget and has freed me to spend how I like, because I know I'm not spending on things I don't care about. And so I'm naturally saving money. What are you most not frugal on? I would say I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty frugal on most things, but I'll find creative ways to save on them. So like I will get coffees at Starbucks whenever, but I try to get gift cards, either discounted gift cards or if a client pays me in gift cards. Um, and I will say, I'm only going to use gift cards at Starbucks. I love pedicures and I will do the deluxe pedicure, but I only get them like four times a year. I like nice, nicer quality clothing, but I only buy my clothing secondhand, um, especially in the nicer quality stuff. I love eating out. I hate doing dishes. So I will choose to get takeout multiple times a week versus just eating out at a restaurant once a week because it helps me do dishes less. Like I found trade-offs naturally because I've been doing this for so long. And how long is so long? 
So, I mean, in the context of my 32 years, since 2015, 16, we got married at the end of 2015. And that's kind of when this journey began. And it was in 2016 that I started doing the no spend challenges just to save money because we were paying off debt. And it's how I discovered like the possibilities in them. And people like hate no spend challenges because they're like the diet detox of personal finance. But I mean, I'm not doing it to get like toxins out of my budget. I'm doing it to teach (laughs) me about me because there's so few instances where you can learn about yourself yourself. Usually it's somebody telling you like, hey, you're doing this. You should change. But it's just easier when you can find things about yourself that are legit. Yeah. Uh, Boo Boo tried to get me to do a no spin challenge and that did not happen. And now I need to go <laughs> ask her about that and be like, well, what did you learn about yourself in the process of doing said challenge? But uh, I'm, I am all about like the process of self-discovery and, and reflection and things like that. So it's it sounds very interesting. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do one. Ju- no, I'm not going to do one next month. <laughs> This is not the time for me to be going frugal, especially with like so much stuff that's coming up, which you're an entrepreneur too, right? Mm-hmm. What, I, what I love about the, the products and uh, services and things that, that you do is that you don't try to go out and just be the big ticket queen where, you know, come get this $10,000, $15,000. you are about like affordability and accessibility, which would make sense given that you're talking about frugality, but the quality level was also still high. So I'm just curious because I'm thinking if I were only working for self and didn't have this regular paycheck and didn't have these benefits and didn't have some of this like other stuff, I would probably approach things differently. You're a full-time entrepreneur and you're doing this like frugal thing. How do you manage to juggle that all? A great thing is that I live in a very affordable area. I mean, I don't live rurally. I live in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. So we're blessed with no state tax. So that's like one really big thing off the bat. But then also the I have a second income in my household. I mean, my husband works. I don't I mean, I just don't believe in the never ending hustle. Like for a while, there were people that were like, if you're watching TV, you're not hustling hard enough. And I'm like, I, my brain turns off at like 5 p.m. Like it's, it's useless. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna veg after that. I'm gonna hang out with my kid and watch Blippy and, you know, play trains. Like, you know, that's, or I'm going to be on TikTok depending on the mood I'm in. So yeah. I, I think that's been a lot of emotional and mental work for me because there is a, a big temptation to go higher ticket and to hustle nonstop to to get more more leads and sales. But I think I've had to say, hey, I live in an affordable place. I have no debt. I have a second income in my family so I can afford to live the life I want to live like I can make however much money I want and we will be okay because we've always lived off of one income. And it was great to have an income when my husband, who's in the airline industry, um, was out of work for three months uh, last year on half pay. So that was great. But we don't actually need my income because we have put systems in place and we've just set up our life to where we don't need a lot. So a lot of it yeah. is just 
extra that we can invest in the stock market and and hopefully soon real estate. So that has been more of a mental work, an ongoing mental work versus a financial work. As has been the theme of this conversation, but something else that I hope people take away is the freedom aspect, because you said you're essentially living the life you want. And when I open this show, I talk about people navigating their finances and and careers so they can have the freedom to live the life they want. So I'm like, oh, you you have achieved the promised land. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, there's different levels and, and layers to said promised land, but you have achieved that. And you talked about Systems as well, which I think are super important. And, and a budget can be a, I guess it can be a system where it can be part of a system. What systems or what have you put in place that you think has been most helpful in terms of just like, you know, automating finances or getting to this place where you, where you kind of feel free and you don't feel like so attached to it, even though you're in tune mm-hmm. with the monies, you're not constantly worrying about it. So what, what have you put in place that you think has been most helpful or most freeing? Um, Well, first I'll say that it is definitely difficult to live in this freedom that we've built because we built a habit of working and improving and I'm an Enneagram three. And so I achieve like achievement is my core and I always want to achieve more and more is never enough. And so that is something I constantly am working on. So it is hard podcast. Yeah, I'm a 2.5. <laughs> yeah, I am I'm constantly working to remind myself I, I am enough. It's not just my accomplishments that make me worthy. So definitely, definitely want to put that primer out there. And then as far as systems, so I feel like the biggest one for me, and I, and I know the biggest spending trigger for most people is food and, and takeout and eating out. And so that's... I mean, and that's our story. So I felt like if we could just get that under control, then everything else, I mean, we don't spend a lot on anything else. But like I'd eat takeout every night if you let me. Meal planning, I think, is has been the biggest system that has been the most helpful for us. So I will meal plan five meals, plan for two meals eaten out so that I can look forward to them and they don't make me feel guilty afterwards because I know they were already scheduled. Grocery shopping online. So Walmart has free pickup right by my house. So I don't spend extra to grocery shop online. I can just stay away from all the impulse spends that the grocery store tries to throw at me, get just what I need that's on my meal plan list and pick it up and it's there. Um, And so then the hardest thing is just like, finding the energy to make it. But that has kind of been something that I've been working on too. So if I'm making something on Monday, I'll start to prep stuff for Tuesday while Monday's dinner's cooking. So it's kind of just like a dump and go. And I'm like making fewer dishes. Because did I mention I hate dishes? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that has been the biggest. And as you're talking, you might have just saw me like rubbing my forehead <laughs> because... Like I get so stressed out thinking about like the post cooking dishes and we did the the meal prep thing for, I want to say we did it for a, a few months and, and we were good about it. We were getting our Costco orders in on the weekend, ordering things that you just throw in the oven. You don't have to do a whole lot of fancy prep with putting them in containers, freezing stuff, good to go for the week. But then dishes, 
And then the other thing is when you cook for days, like I, I'm someone, I really love variety in my food. And so like, at, like literally after the second day, there are certain things where I'm just like, I just can't have it anymore. Sometimes after the first day, the next night comes around, I open the fridge, I see food and I still go to my phone and the order from the app because I'm like, I just want something like fresh and yeah. good. So I fully appreciate it and, and respect that. But like, it's, it's, it's so, it requires, I feel like the whole cooking and meal prep requires probably more discipline than almost anything else. Yeah. For me, at least. And that's like, it's the one thing that we focus on. Honestly, I mean, and maybe it's just because we've been doing it for what, five, six years now. But that is the one thing that we focus on now. It's it's that one thing concept. If you're familiar with the one thing by Gary Keller, Gary like, Keller, what's the what's the one thing which by doing it can make everything else easier yes. or unnecessary, and that's our one thing in this house. I also like variety. I won't eat leftovers after I won't eat leftovers after a second time. So I'll eat them for lunch the next day, but then dinner comes and and they're those things it's are fresh. done. Yeah, it's fresh. So kind of learning about ourselves and like it's the summer. So if so, I don't meal plan anything that involves the oven because it's Florida. It's 100 degrees. So it's all salads and which are very easy to pre-make. Like I can make it Monday and then it's ready to go on Tuesday. You know, how do you keep them fresh? Salad, Here's the yo. secret. Here's the secret. Kale. Kale is the lettuce. Really? Yep. You just massage it for 60 seconds with your hands, really get in there, softens it up, and then you can dress it and and assemble it. And that thing's good for several days. It does not wilt like regular lettuce. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's turning into a food show. But I've noticed that (laughs) because I'm somebody. So actually, do you have something that you always buy from the grocery store? Maybe even your husband. We talked about this on our summit interview. That's right. That's right. Iceberg lettuce. Or romaine That's lettuce. Right. Mine's romaine lettuce. <laughs> that was it. No, okay. That's why I thought about it. Yeah, because for for me, I keep saying, you know what? I'm going to eat healthy, so I'm going to buy these mixed greens. And I keep getting these containers of mixed greens. They sit, they wilt, they spoil, they become compost now. So I'm essentially <laughs> buying compost because... Yeah, I tell myself that I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be healthy. I'm gonna make salads, but then when that time comes around, I'm just like ah, oh, like it's not as like fresh. But yeah, I have not tried the uh, the uh, kale formula. Kale is great, so and the reason I waste romaine often um, is because you can't wash it or prep it the day before because it gets wilty. You kind of have to just like make it there. Uh, and I did find a hack on TikTok where this girl just cut the romaine in half and kind of made like a like a salad boat. And that has kind of helped break up the variety. So I don't really feel like I'm eating salad. I feel like I'm eating like some kind of taco, lettuce taco. So Now, now that is a, a fresh spin. You were having a low-carb taco. That's, uh, yeah. So, and, so uh, and it was a low-carb TikTok that I found it on, so... See, see, boom. Yeah. There you go. Now, you also just mentioned TikTok and uh, it's it's been the craze. It feels like it's becoming more and more of the craze. This has nothing really to do with money or anything else. I'm just curious about like that, that experience of creating content for a platform like that uh, on top of everything else that you have going on. Just how, how have you found that as a as a content creator? It's definitely an interesting balance because I'm not a big social media sharer. 
I don't like to share myself on social. I, it is an effort for me to remember to do it. Um, and then I don't want to do it that much. Why is that? I think I know because I'm the same way. But <laughs> it's not necessarily that I'm like afraid of like responses or anything. It's just because I want to live in the moment. I don't want to record the moment. I want to live in the moment. So that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but I do kind of try to batch my content for TikTok and just re- and repurpose it as much as possible. I have 74,000 followers on TikTok. So that's kind of like my main platform now. I will just batch all those, post one a day, and and that's it. <laughs> and like respond to some comments and stuff. But like, honestly, I don't like to live on social media. I do like to consume it when I'm just like doing nothing and want to be mindless. But social media is not where I go to be mindful. Mm. That might make his way into an audiogram <laughs> if I didn't just ruin it by by talking over it. The social media thing, it, it's so important. And I love the idea of being in the moment because that's been my struggle is uh, like sometimes like I'm out doing something and it's like, oh, I got to take my phone out and I got to stop and try and like get a shot or like I got to record or, or, or do this thing versus just enjoy where I am. So I, I know that's a bit of a challenge. But but again, even with this, you have a bit of a system where. You set aside time to just batch everything so you get it all done in one shot. Then you don't have to think about it again till the next round, which is something that people can do with uh, not just like, you know, content creation. You could batch like finance review on the weekend. Like that that's when you do all your bill pay, everything else you can batch if you're looking for a, a, a gig, like when you do all your resumes. Like, so, so you can batch a lot of things. It's not just it's not just specific to creating content. Yeah, I mean, that's what we do with our transactions and looking at our finances to make sure, you know, that we're still spending less than what we make. Like, it's just once a month that we look at it. We don't reconcile our budget every other day or every week. I'm doing it once a month. Yeah, I'm a once a week reviewer and I enjoy it because I do the business finances and the personal at the same time. And uh, the way that it's worked out is usually... When money is going out from personal because paying bills, uh, I go boo. But then at the same time for the business, because some things I get paid at the beginning of the month, because I'm also collecting money, it's yay. So it's it's actually a balance. And even even throughout the month, it's a balance where it's like there's money coming in, money going out. So it feels like a lot is going out on the on, on the personal side. But then uh, it's nice to be able to see some stuff coming in on the on, on the business side as well, which you all probably have a bit of a, a similar experience because it sounds like he he has a day gig and then you're doing the home. So so you got like this kind of like balance of like, here's what's coming in here. Here's what's going out. But then, hey, look what's coming in here. Hey, we just got this amazing like deal that we weren't planning for. There's some extra disposable income. Yeah. I mean, we I keep my business income in a separate business account and only look at it once a month, honestly. <laughs> And then I get in there and I, I try to spend like as frugally as possible. And so sometimes I have maybe around a thousand dollars a month in expenses. And so like I look at it and I'm like, hey, look at that extra money coming in. <laughs> yeah, I'm I wish it was a thousand a month in expenses. That I would like to spend more, act. though. I I would like yeah. to hire somebody else and and spend more. So that's where where I'm at. And some of this frugality, it 
I will say maybe frugality comes easier to me, but it's because I've grown up with a scarcity mindset. And that's something that I'm trying to get out of. Um, so we always grow up. I, I grew up thinking I was broke, even if I had money, like I had to spend it. And so, so that I would be broke again. So I've spent time coming out of that. Uh, and it's perplexing. It's a per- perplexing uh, kind of rationalization. But so I am coming more into this place of spending money on quality um, versus just getting the lowest price. I am learning that too. And while like I feel like it may come easier to me, and so that's why I want to share the perspective with other people who it may not come as easily for. They may be more prone to spending than I was or helping people also who have a scarcity mindset come out and be like, this is what real frugality is. This is frugality can create freedom. It does not create bondage like a scarcity mindset does. I want to clap, but I'm not going to do that yet. <laughs> now, <laughs> now I, I know you also have something coming up for the masses to help them uh, if they have you know, a mindset challenge or they're just trying to get better in terms of how they make, save, all of that good stuff. So can you talk a little bit about uh, what you have coming up? Yeah. So we're super passionate, my co-host Jill and I, about making frugality accessible and enjoyable. And so we, we try to do that every week on Frugal Friends Podcast, but we wanted to do a little bit more. Um, and so in uh, July 19th through 22nd, we're hosting the Future of Frugal Summit. And it's really, it's 20 amazing speakers coming together to explore how can we make frugality something that we choose uh, by choice and in shoes enthusiastically versus a means to an end. And so we're looking at buying less. Um, we're looking at minima- minimalism, sustainability. We're looking at how to save better. So there's like a few meal planning <laughs> like tips in there and sessions. How to save significantly, um, even if you are on a lower income. Because I think some people think frugality is reserved for people with money. So we're trying... Right. Yeah. Like, sure, Bill Gates can afford to wear the same thing every day, but I have to buy the $5 fast fashion shirt. So stuff like that. But then they don't realize like how much money they're spending on takeout every day. So there's just like mindset shifts and actual strategic shifts that we want to help people make over the four days and 20 sessions of this summit. And so we are going to have nightly giveaways. We have one of our sponsors um, giving a $500 cash giveaway. We are giving away memberships um, to our accountability club. We are giving away books. So, and we're going to have games in an exclusive Facebook group. So it's going to be fun as well as inspirational and educational. Love it. And where can people get the the deets? Is it just go to the website? Is it mm-hmm. on the Eventbrite? How do yeah, people get so all this up is, in there? This is a free virtual summit. So you don't have to spend any money going anywhere. Um, and you can find your free ticket at frugallivingsummit.com. And Rich, you're, you are speaking on day three and it is fire. Like we very much yes. enjoyed that interview. Appreciate that and, and was excited to be a part of it. Excited to see this come out and take place. And, uh, I, I really do hope that, uh, people come on over and check out the frugal friends. I, I got to connect with a frugal friend this morning. So at the time when we're recording this, it's like 8 a.m. and it's before the day job starts. 
waking up and having a chance to talk about frugality in this context and and, and learning so much has uh, has definitely been awesome. There's two of y'all. So what what exactly is the handle around the web that you normally point people to when you come on these here podcasts? So for me, it's at Modern Frugality everywhere. And then we also have an Instagram at Frugal Friends Podcast that we use sometimes, um, but most of it is at Modern Frugality. Well, Jen, this has been dope, a blast. I'm about to take frugality to, yo, I'm about to find a way to say frugal in a meeting at work today. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to that. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Jen for coming on the podcast and keeping it frugal because like I said up top since recording, I've become a lot more diligent with my time. I've become a lot more frugal with my energy and also just in terms of walking in purpose and alignment, making sure that I'm doing things that are giving and filling me as opposed to doing things that are taking away just for the benefit of others. And that is not a shot. That is also a realization of self when it comes to understanding what it's like to also be a people pleaser. So I know I dropped a whole lot in this episode. I've had a lot of time for reflection and all of this other stuff that's been going on. And uh, this is probably also the first episode that I've really done like this, where I just talk off top, from top to bottom. And so if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share with a friend or your network so they can get familiar with P&B. And if you haven't already, be sure to follow or subscribe on your listening platform of choice. I can't wait to share more of this new and exciting journey, particularly as it relates to getting back on track literally and figuratively and how I'm going to spend some of that toward personal finance as well as professional development. Because when I'm out there on that track and I'm in my sanctuary, I just got these ideas just constantly running. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for rocking with me. And until next time, do something dope.